When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Extra Time, a web-only program from RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Hewson. In the program this week, it's finals time at the Rugby World Cup. Just what part will history play in the outcome of Sunday's All Blacks Wallabies final? The Silver Ferns farewell Waimarama Tomanu, and she reveals the toughest call she had to make in her four years in the top job with the Silver Ferns. The axe hangs over the future of the Wellington Phoenix in the A-League. We hear from Phoenix captain Andrew Durante and former Phoenix player Paul Eiffel. History beckons for the winner of the Rugby World Cup final in London, but both the All Blacks and the Wallabies are dismissing it as a factor in the lead-up to Sunday morning's match at Twickenham. It'll be the first time the two nations have met in a World Cup final. However, they have met in the semis three times previously, with the Wallabies enjoying a 2-1 winning record. But recent form and World Cup performances of yesteryear are being dismissed in the lead-up to Sunday's finale by both teams. Ladies and gentlemen, to receive their gold medals as winners of Rugby World Cup 2011, Captain Richie McCaw and World Champions New Zealand. Should the All Blacks beat the Wallabies on Sunday morning and Richie McCaw hold the Webb Ellis Trophy aloft once more, the All Blacks will become the first side to win the competition back-to-back and also the first team to win three World Cups. Since the 2011 final win, the All Blacks have played 11 tests against Australia, winning eight of them, drawing two and losing just the one. All up, they've played 53 tests since then, losing just three. And Wallabies coach Michael Check has made it clear his side is the underdog for Sunday. They've had some pretty special teams, haven't they? You know, They're obviously the world's number one, aren't they? They're there for a reason. We've only beaten them once, I think, in the, out of the last ten. So they'd be feeling pretty good. They've got our measure, and it's going to be up to us to do something special, You know, do something extra to just be competitive. While All Blacks coach Steve Hansen has dismissed past encounters between the two sides ahead of this match, he has made comparisons to their 2011 campaign following their narrow semi-final win over the Springboks last weekend. Four years ago, and we had a sensational performance against Australia in the semi and then really didn't lift the next week, even though it was a final. So, you know, coming off what was a good performance, wasn't a great one, I think we'll lift. You know, there'll be enough excitement, but also in the back of our minds knowing that we could have done better last weekend. And we always seem to play better when we're like that. The only glimmer of hope for the Wallabies, given recent results is August's win in Sydney. But Czech is not buying into that. Well, obviously we believe in ourselves. Like I would be lying if I said we didn't believe in ourselves to go out there and do our absolute best. I don't want to look back at things. Because if I start looking back at that one win, I might have to look back at the other nine losses. You know, I just want to look at Saturday and uh, work out 
uh, how we're going to play best we possibly can and put it out there and just see what happens from there. While Michael Chick has been keen to claim the underdog status, former Wallabies first five and his current assistant coach Stephen Larkham has been talking the Australians up claiming they're better than the star-studded 1999 Rugby World Cup winning side of which Larkin was part of. Sunday's final's likely to be the international swan song for six All Blacks. Skipper Richie McCaw, Dan Carter, Conrad Smith, Ma Nonu, Tony Woodcock and Kevin Mayalamu. Although McCaw still maintains he hasn't made up his mind, despite being a notable omission from the Crusaders squad for next year's Super Rugby competition. I've uh, been purposely not uh, got into that because I, I wanted to make sure I do this. Uh, didn't want to get all hung up on what could be or might be. This this tournament, I was keen to uh, turn up here as if you're going to play games to come. Yeah, I have to make a decision when I get home. And uh, you know, it's something down the track. I, I, I just really want to play this this weekend and want to play this tournament as best I can. Even though both the All Blacks and the Wallabies have dismissed history having any part in the outcome of Sunday's final. History will certainly be made. The winner will become the first nation to win three Rugby World Cups, while the All Blacks could become the first team to successfully defend the title. The winners of Rugby World Cup 2011, our team, world champions, New Zealand! What a fitting tribute that would be to McCaw and his side. We're joined now by rugby reporter Barry Guy for his thoughts on the tournament and just how he thinks Sunday's final will unfold. Barry, we'll cut to the chase. Give us a prediction first off. Well, I think the All Blacks is a little bit in my heart in that uh, decision, but uh, I do think that this team knows how to win uh, and they have all of the um, parts needed to win. There's been a lot of talk about the Wallabies and their loose forwards and the turnovers that they may get. But again, that's only a little part of the game and I'm sure that the All Blacks and all the nows that the coaches have, that they'll come up with game plans for everything there. And as I said, I think they have uh, learnt to win over the last four years and uh, it will be close, um, maybe only a half a dozen points in it, but you know, I think they can do it. Uh, much has been made of this Wallabies team at the World Cup. I mean, people were talking them up. But, I mean, when we look at it, I mean, they, they scraped past Wales but didn't even score a try in that, that game. I mean, are, are they all they're cracked up to be? I don't think the opposition's been great. You know, a lot of the teams, you know, England it wasn't particularly good. Uh, Wales and Ireland, you know, they're not bad, but, you know, they're not great teams. The All Blacks showed that the French didn't have much and South Africa had very little to offer uh, in the semi-final that the All Blacks won. So, uh, you know, the All Blacks and Australia are the two highest-ranked teams in the world, and they've got through to the final. And I do think that they are the best two teams in the competition. And from what I've seen, you know, the, the All Blacks would, would be slightly ahead. So, yeah, it's a good it's a good Wallabies side. Not a great Wallabies side, but, you know, again, it just comes down how to, uh, to play on the day and, and how to know how to win. Would it be fair to say the same about the All Blacks, a good All Black team but not a great one? Uh, yes, quite possibly. Uh, I, I do think some of their um, older players aren't what they used to be. You know, that includes uh, Richie McCaw. Dan Carter, I do think, you know, he's possibly not at the best he has ever been, but he is at the best that we've seen for a couple of years. Uh, and um, But there's a fair mix of the young guys in there that you really need to, to boost this side. Um, and I do think perhaps um, some of the other players uh, 
haven't played their best rugby, but they're combining well. It's almost like they're holding a little bit within themselves to work as a team and to get the job done rather than that sort of outstanding individualism that we used to see from them. Um, there's a sort of a, a collectiveness in there to that perhaps you need when you get to a World Cup tournament. A sense, too, they've possibly grown into this tournament. Would that be fair? Because, I mean, to start with, there was all the talk about, well, are they actually going to have a chance of, of, of making it a hat-trick of World Cup titles? Interesting comments from Steve Hansen. You know, he said earlier on that they were holding something back. You know, who knows whether that's true or not, but it, it did, did appear to be the case. When they played France, who I said, you know, they, they, they weren't much. The razzle-dazzle came out and they scored nine tries. Uh, they were solid against uh, South Africa. Uh, they conceded penalties. But again, they seem to, you know, in the second half, and we talked about it, that, you know, if you play down the right end of the field, they should be right, and they and they were. So, yeah, th- there's more, perhaps, um, use of the head than the heart and the lungs and the legs. You know, there's more, there's more thinking about how to win. Actually, I remember the former England uh, player, Jeremy Guscott, said they are the um, mentally the best team in the world. And maybe that's making a difference. Quite possibly. A farewell for Richie McCaw. I mean, a, a word on, on him, talking of, you know, things of the heart. I mean, he, he will be a, a big loss. He's, I mean, he, he will go down as a, an all-black legend. Oh, most definitely. You know, he's described as the possibly the best rugby player ever. Um, and uh, perhaps after this, we just wait for his knighthood to arrive at some stage. Um, it'll be great to see him continue in rugby at some stage, but I'm sure he's going to take a break from that. But there is little doubt that, um, you know, the All Blacks always say uh, he is their best leader because he leads on the field. And his performances, they had a little bit of a down period. I think it was the time when he had some injuries. But really, the way he still gets around the field and commits himself, um, you know, he, he's obviously inspirational. And, um, yes, he is a hero in New Zealand. And Ma Nonu, Conrad Smith, a few of the other names heading off. I mean, will this be or be seen as a chance to send them off in style, or does that just not play a part and it's a Rugby World Cup final? Uh, well, of course, they all say it doesn't play a part. I think, personally, that, um, you know, I, 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 I do think a lot of players will play for Richie, you know, because he's the captain, he'll be at the front of the haka, and uh, he'll be playing his heart out, and he's got to put up with... Um, Hooper and Pocock and he's going to get bashed up no doubt in the final I think a lot of players again while they won't say it they'll be playing for him uh, and for the others you know a victory would cap it off uh, uh, nicely for them um, but win or lose these guys will go on to the rest of their careers as uh, yeah, great New Zealand uh, players because Nonu and Smith and the likes have played what 60-something tests together, and um, um, yeah, they'll be a great loss for the game, but at least for the next few months, um, we can enjoy what they did do for the All Blacks. Thanks, Barry. That's our rugby reporter, Barry Guy. The Silver Ferns face an uphill battle if they're to send their coach, Wyatt Marama Tamanu, into retirement with a series win. New Zealand play Australia in the fourth and final Constellation Cup test in Perth tonight. They trail the Diamonds 2-1 in the series and they need to win by 14 or more goals to take the series. 
Tamanu's been part of the Silver Ferns coaching staff for the past eight years, the last four as head coach after taking over from Ruth Aitken. She says she's given little thought to her career from here on. Beyond knowing that I am going to have to get my act together next week and, and think about what I am going to do, but no, I've just been really focused on um, on the series and continuing to grow from world champs. Are you the kind of person that contemplates these kinds of, of things? No, not really, Stephen. As I say, at the moment, it just feels like business as usual. Um, I suspect the time that it won't feel like business as usual is when the team's together and I'm not there. <laughs> How do you think this team has changed in your time at, at the helm? Well, I guess one of the major changes is, is that Irene's not here anymore. That, you know, for the, my first four years, well, indeed for my first six, um, she was a, a consistent um, and one of the first picks, really. So not having her here has changed things enormously. The shooting circle's young, um, but I think it's got real potential, and, and um, I'm really pleased. I think going forward, they're going to be great. Was that the toughest call you had to make during your time? Yes, but, I, you know, we always knew at some point that was going to happen, so that was that was quite big, and it was a big change for this team. She'd been such a, a huge part of the Silver Fern. And do you think it might have made any difference? Do you think back on that at, at Glasgow? Hard to know because, you know, there were so many other things um, that happened. The, the number of injuries, that had had we had um, fewer shooter injuries, that might have helped, um, and perhaps different personnel. But to have three out of your four go down in, in the space of two days, I don't know that any of us could have anticipated that. That possibly leads into my next question. Was that the most frustrating time of your, your career? Yeah, that was certainly one of the... I, I still, I'll probably always have memories of... I, I try and go for a walk each morning to kind of clear the cobwebs, and I, those walks in Glasgow were pretty tough. Um, you know, the day that we had just the seven players fit um, in case of was practising her goals was... That's a day I never, never want to really repeat if I can. <laughs> What are you looking forward to the most about not being coach of the Silver Ferns? Um, mostly spending more time with my family. Um, my daughter will turn 15 in January and I haven't had a birthday with her since she was seven. So those little things, I know they're quite small, but um, I've, I've missed those things and I'll be really pleased to be part of those family things again. Has there been any talk amongst the group about you going or have you been quite conscious of making sure there is none? No, look, I think what I did do was we started the tour and I, um, my first team talk started with, this is my last tour and that's about all we need to say about that till we've finished playing and they all laughed and that's kind of what we've done. So it hasn't been a taboo subject, it just hasn't really raised its head either. We're, we've been very focused on the game. Have you had any second thoughts about saying, no, I'm walking away? Not second thoughts about, no, I'm walking away, but there have been moments where I've just remembered how much I enjoy being here. Um, but I still think it's the right decision. I still think um, that it's time that a new perspective came and took over and added some new, fresh ideas. What was the biggest thing you had to address when you came in? I mean, was it fitness? Was it tactics? What What was it as a coach that you had to decide was, was going to change and, ch- and change quickly? I made quite a big um, deal of conditioning right at the start um, and also around nutrition, hydration, you know, all of the component parts to that. Um, probably took a back seat slightly uh, in 2012 where I thought we'd made a lot of progress but um, read it said again really um, following Commonwealth Games um, so I thought we'd made progress but I, I realised that we, there was still more to go and that the Australians hadn't stood still so at the beginning at the end really there was a big condition, uh, focus on conditioning um, and I'm looking at a group of athletes now and 
pleased that we did it because this is a, a pretty well-conditioned group at the moment. Has it been tougher being a coach than a player? Oh, gosh, Stephen. It's 30 years since I was a player. Um, yes, in some ways it probably is. As a player, there's really just concern about yourself, your own performance, um, and the, um, the intellectual exercise of putting a number of performances together to turn out a team performance. Um, is much harder as a coach, but it's also the part that I enjoy. So, uh, you know, in one sense, yes, but in the other sense, it is the bit that I prefer. You, have you sat there and thought at times, I'd love to be a player again in this environment? Occasionally, but there have been other occasions when I've watched how physical it's become when it, I've also thought, I don't know if I could play in this environment. That would suit you down to the ground, though, wouldn't it, why? <laughs> well, yes, probably. Um, but boy, the game's faster and harder and bigger than it was when I played so as I say there are times when I've looked at it and thought how great it is and how much I'd like to be a part of it and there are other times when I've wondered if I could have been. Now you've got this this final test to try and possibly level level the series the fact that the Diamonds have brought Laura Geitz back does it make you think that they are a little nervous? Um, it does but we're I know that we're very cagey about the health and injury status of our team so you know, you never really know what goes on inside a team and, and why she may have been called back and what else might be happening in there. So we'll wait and see who the final 12 are and, and what they what they finally do. That third test win must have given a, a boost just as it was needed. Absolutely. Um, really, I guess, reinforced the disappointment that we didn't quite get our act together in New Zealand because I think we would have liked to have done that for a New Zealand crowd rather than over in Melbourne. But um, certainly gave us a, a, a much-needed boost at the end of what had been a pretty tough week. And what's the general feeling going into this final match? Um, very focused, uh, very determined. Um, I think we're very clear about what needs to improve. And, and I think what we'd really like to do is put a performance on that had both ends performing well because I think we've had, um, in the last three tests, uh, I think we're defensive defensive end in the third test, played well for the third quarter and it took a half a game for the attacking um, end to catch up. So we just haven't had consistency across the court. I'd really like to see that. I was talking to Silver Ferns coach, Wai Tamanu. It's been a traumatic week for the Wellington Phoenix and their fans with the A-League Football Club's future up in the year. Earlier this week, they found out that their proposal to gain a 10-year extension to their A-League licence had been rejected by Football Federation Australia. They were instead offered to apply for a four-year extension. The club's yet to make an announcement on its future, but if rejected, the four-year offer could end up with the club winding up after this season. Captain Andrew Durante says the announcement's been a shock to the players. Oh, look, I think after the news broke, there was, you know, coming to training the next day, there was a lot of questions, there was a lot of shock, I guess, um, you know, but... But since then, we've had some meetings, and I guess as a, as a captain and as a, a you know good senior group that we have, it's our job to make sure everything stays positive around the camp. Um, it's out of our control. There's nothing as players we can do to affect this uh, besides play well uh, every week, which we have been doing. We're playing some great football, um, and that's you know solely our focus to continue playing great football and, and leave the rest to to the people that uh, make those decisions. What messages were you given by? David Diamond and other members of the management team yesterday? Oh, look, everyone's fairly confident that, uh, you know, the club will stay around at, at least these four more years that, are, that have been offered, but obviously there's there's no guarantees uh, what will happen, and, and like I said, we're just focused on this season. We want to make sure this season is as you can see, everyone's pretty happy around camp. Um, you know, we, we have to focus on, on our jobs, um, and like I said, we're playing some great stuff. We've got a big game this weekend against Victory, um, and that's what we're focused on. I'm sure it hasn't escaped your attention, the support you're getting from your fellow players and, and, and media 
on this side of the Tasman and the other side. How heartening is that? Yeah, it's great. It's a fantastic club. People know it's a fantastic club. You know, I've had that many phone calls over the last two days um, from ex-players, from from people that were involved in the club before, from players that I don't even know. Um, you know, personally to to send text messages and, and just support the club. And, um, you know, there's so many great people at the club. Uh, you know, we've got some senior players that have been here through highs and lows for a very long t uh, time at this club, so it's not too foreign for us to be, um, you know, up, up against it. But, um, you know, great bunch of boys and, and we'll continue doing our job on the park. If it was to go to its worst-case scenario, Jura, how much of a blow would it be to see this football club fold? Oh, uh, unfathomable. It's, you know, to see this club go under would be, uh, you know, pretty... Pretty shocking for uh, kids of New Zealand, uh, you know, footballers, up-and-coming, aspiring kids, even even the younger players uh, that we have here at the Phoenix through the academies. It it would destroy football, in my opinion, if the club was was to go under. So, uh, look, uh, we're trying to remain positive. Um, we believe uh, that we will be in it for at least four more years, and then who knows from there. Um, but like I said, and I'll continue to say, we're fully focused on our jobs as players. One of the lines in the release was that uh, they didn't believe that uh, the Phoenix were, were bringing the fundamental requirements of the future of the A-League. Can you talk a bit about the value you see the Phoenix bringing to the A-League? Oh, look, I think it's pretty clear to see. You know, we've, we've got a fantastic group of ownership, um, you know, people that that are fully committed to developing um, football in this country to, to contribute to the A-League. It's not just about this country. You know, we, we want to contribute to the A-League. We're, we're just as part of the league as, as any other team in the A-League. And, um, you know, we're not going through any financial troubles. Uh, you know, we, we've got a great um, ownership who, you know, have a good vision. They want to keep building academies. They want to extend the uh, club around the country. And, you know, it's... It, it's a tough decision uh, to hear over the last few days, but, um, you know, like I said, I think it will be uh, in, in the right hands and, and will be dealt with correctly. Does that make it even more frustrating when you know how stable this club is? Yeah, I mean, you look around at the other clubs who are folding, who the FFA are, you know, having to prop up, and, you know, that, that's probably the most disappointing thing, that we're not a club that's causing any issues within in the league. We're, we've got a good group, we're playing good football, um, you know, we don't cause any trouble, we're, we're, we're a good... Good, uh, a good club um, that's very stable, and, and to see other clubs struggling, but yet you know they get 20-year licenses is is hard to take. Pretty annoyed then at the FFA's decision. Yeah, yeah, uh, I think that's probably the the word to describe it. It's annoying, it's it's frustrating, but um, you know, as a senior player in the group, and, and as all the other senior boys have you know spoken about, we need to remain as positive as possible. Um, you know, hopefully. Everyone around the country realises that this could be the end and, you know, there's more bums on seats, there's more memberships bought and, and we do everything that we can and if it's if it's to be the end, then at least everyone's given it their best go to make sure we, we stick around. Paul Eiffel told me yesterday could galvanise the team. Do you feel that way? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're a very strong, tight group and, um, like I said, a lot of the senior boys have been here for eight, nine years now and we've been through a lot of ups and downs, change of ownership, change of coaches, um, you know, and... And we've come through unscathed in that, and you know it's it's a big responsibility for us to make sure the mood's um, you know always always strong and always positive. Has it forced you to reconsider your future next year or anything like that? No, I, I'm not personally thinking about anything like that. Um, I know the the other players wouldn't be thinking about that. You know, we, we want to make sure this is a good year, um, and then it's not up to us to decide if we're in for the long term. It's up to the powers to be, and we'll see what happens. That's Phoenix captain Andrew Duranzi. Former Phoenix striker Paul Eiffel has told Joe Porter it's obvious what Football Federation Australia's end goal is. It's just to me that they don't want us in the league. I think it's that simple. You know, there's, there's teams that have been given a 20-year licence extension that have been run very poorly. 
um, over the last few years, and you know, it's, you don't really want to pick them out, but it's pretty obvious Central Coast Mariners and Newcastle objectives like that that have been propped up by the FFA um, and the Phoenix over the over the years since the Wellings have taken over certainly have been more than stable. You know, really well run. Um, things have been going well on and off the pitch, and all of a sudden that's, that's not deemed good enough. And uh, yeah, have four years while we get somebody else ready. Um, to come into the league, then you'll be out of it anyway. Cynics will suggest that because the Phoenix are based in New Zealand and under a different umbrella with Oceania versus Asia, it's not in the interest of Australian football to promote a New Zealand side. Is that the the cut and thrust of it? I think it is, but then you've got to look at it both ways. And you look at somebody like Nathan Burns. Um, you know, before, he wasn't a Socceroo um, at Newcastle Jets. He comes to, to the Phoenix um, as an unbelievable season and makes a big impact again on the on the international stage for Australia. Now, that was done by the, you know, the culture of the, of the club, of the Phoenix. It was done by Andy Merrick's uh, man management. Uh, and that might, may not have happened if he'd have stayed in Australia. So I think we still bring a lot, lot to the A-League and there's things that they, um, they quickly forget. The FFA, I guess, will also point to crowd figures and, and the rather large ones they can manage to, I guess, produce in Sydney in particular. And the, the thought is that they'll bring a third team in there. Is that something that, is, should be looked at without looking at the whole picture, the broader picture of what the Phoenix bring to the A-League? There's always stats you can pull up. I mean, I, I would imagine per capita, we, we do OK. Um, I think it's, you know, we're, we're punching above our weight there, but if they want to bring another another team into Sydney, I suppose that's, that's their prerogative. They, they own the league, but, you know, these derbies will end up getting diluted. You've got three teams in Sydney. It's, uh, well, I think it's, it's crazy, but, you know, it's, it's all about the money, I suppose, and, and if we're not bringing enough revenue, then um, that's, that's the call the FFA has to make so I don't know what the answer is for the Phoenix really It's obviously a real blow to the Wellington and the New Zealand footballing community I mean this would be huge if the country and the city were to lose what has been a real success story in the Australian League the Australian competition Yeah I think so and I think it's just sad for the kids coming through at the moment you know I think things off the pitch have really been uh, going the right way with the Phoenix you know with the, with the new youth team and, and the reserve team and you know, they talk about introducing a women's team, and I think you know, for kids growing up, there's, there's something to look for, something to look forward to if they can uh, put the time and effort in, and then all of a sudden have that taken away. I mean, it's going to dash a hell of a lot of dreams. Do you think, had the Phoenix's results been any better, perhaps say they had won a title or two, would that have played a part in the influencing of this decision, do you think? I don't think it would have mattered, to be honest. Um, I think it comes down to money. Uh, I mean, we, we came close, uh, I think it was in 2009, to winning the whole thing. Um, I think we've been good value with. Most years we're sort of seen as a top six side. We perform well over, you know, a number of years. And I think, again, punching above our weight, and I don't think it would have made any difference if we'd have won it. Um, I don't think it would make a difference if we win it this year. I think they've made their mind up, to be honest. That's former Phoenix striker Paul Eiffel talking to Joe Porter. And that brings us to the end of the programme for another week. Remember, if you wish to contact us, you can email us at sport at radionz.co.nz and you can follow us on Twitter at RNZ Sport. I'm Stephen Houston. On behalf of the Extra Time team, bye for now. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. 
So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.